It's New Year's Eve and investigators are quick on the scene when they discover a retired police officer has been shot in his home. Theories start to emerge, but police don't quite yet have all the pieces to this puzzle. With no motive and only one person offering up an explanation, investigators are forced to re-examine everything they thought they knew about the McDonald family. We are your hosts, Sherry Ferreira and Helen Allen. This is The Chalk Line. Good evening, everyone, and the highlights of the news this Thursday. Okay, so our case takes place in Traverse City, Michigan. It's a fishing area, pretty quaint and familial, and I I was looking this up and I just thought it was really cute that they're the largest producer of tart cherries, and they have this little cherry harvest festival, which is completely irrelevant to everything I'm going to say from here on out, but I I, I just thought it was cute. It is definitely cute for anyone except for me, because I hate cherries. Uh! Here's my take on cherries. I almost feel like... This is the straw. This is the straw. I grew up and cherries were attacking me. Because, like, think about it. Like, oh, like, cherries are everywhere on, like, um, what is that, like... Trees? Millie Jack or something, that monkey brand that people like. Oh, Millie, Millie, um, Millie Bobby Brown. (laughs) Bobby Jack, you Bobby Jack. Yeah! I'm like, Millie Bobby Brown Jack. (laughs) No, I feel like they always had cherries on their brand. Yeah, I and love also those on top of that, like then you hit like puberty, and everyone's like, "If you're a good kisser, you can tie a knot with a cherry stem." And I was like, "That means I have to eat <laughs> a cherry." <laughs> Ew. Why yeah, and there was just like so much pressure on like everything, okay. and I just don't like cherries. But continue. Okay, cherries <laughs> is a sensitive topic. Well, we'll move on. So we are looking at Dan McDonald. He's fifty-eight a retired police officer, and he currently works part-time as a maintenance worker. And mind you, this is all in 1998. Okay. His wife, Cynthia McDonald, is a freelance writer, and she really took charge of their household. They had two kids who were both teenagers, Patrick and Aaron, and apparently Cynthia made all the decisions, which reminded me a lot about my mom and my household, so I'm like, Me I know too. Cynthia. Absolutely, you better run. I know that a strong woman when I see exactly <laughs> right. Like my mom was like, <laughs> my parents would always like do this thing where like my dad would be like, well, you know, I'm the king of this castle, so you have to ask me. And my mom would be like, the f- he is. <laughs> like she'd be like, you're that. gonna have to get through me first. <laughs> oh my god. My meanwhile, my dad's like, yeah, sure, ask your mom for yeah. everything. <laughs> Never have. So I really loved and like reading that. It was so cool. It's December 31st, 1998, and it's before the new year. And Patrick, the teenage son, is out with his friends. Erin, the daughter, was home with her mother, and they decided to go on a little shopping spree. Hit up some stores, go to the salon, really fun. They went out, had a good time, picked up hamburgers for the whole family, and when they were done, they went home. Okay. Meanwhile, Dan, the husband, was sleeping in. 
when we say sleeping in, we mean because, like, he has, like, police officer shifts? Or was he retired? No, yeah, he's retired, so he was just tired from work, and he decided he deserved to sleep Okay, in. so at this point, is it, like, maybe, like, early afternoon? Yeah, early afternoon. It's not night yet. Gotcha, okay. They get home. Cynthia goes into the bedroom to check on Dan and sees that he has been shot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Cynthia immediately calls 911, and she's screaming at the dispatcher, he's dead, oh god, he's dead, help, help, and with just guttural screams. I don't even know if that's the right word, but it was... No, I'm I'm sure, yeah. Very intense, Mm -hmm. to the point where I believe we hear Aaron's voice come on the phone next, and she... I guess is a little bit in a better place to speak than her mom. And she explains that her dad is a retired officer and for the dispatcher to send help right away. Okay. Investigators are on the scene very quickly and they immediately start investigating. Right. They don't find a gun or anything. Money is missing from his wallet. So they assume that it is a robbery. Okay. And then I'm assuming that they're on the same page of like, if they don't find the gun, that means that the person's, like, in the wind. Exactly. The with the gun, you know? Exactly. Okay. They're like, maybe this was a crime of opportunity. Maybe it was random. Like, they just don't know at this point. hmm Okay. Upon further inspection, they see that it was a single gunshot wound that killed Dan. And at this point, they don't really have any leads because there's not really a lot of evidence at the scene. Okay. Naturally, they ask the whole family where they were, who they thought could have done this, and just try to piece together what's going on. And while questioning Cynthia, she does say that she too believes it's a robbery. Money is missing from his wallet. Okay, that's, that's what, what I, she Yeah, so is money missing from the wallet and that's it? Like nothing's missing from the home? Exactly, yes. Okay. It's just money from the wallet. Interesting. But after checking the home, they didn't really find any signs of forced entry or any other indication that it could have been a robbery. Hmm. So police were like, Nah, it's got to be something else. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Right. Who goes to a house to kill someone for, like, a robbery and only takes a wallet? Like, you don't take any valuables in the house. You don't even look. Like, there would be more evidence of, like, someone, like, scouring the house, I I would think. Yeah. And it was noted that from the wallet, they only took a couple of hundred dollars. So it wasn't even, like, a big they didn't lump sum They just take everything of... that was in it. Yes. Okay. Very weird. That's bizarre, yeah. They go over the scene, and I believe they either didn't find any more evidence than what they can just initially pick up, so this leads them to question Cynthia again. Okay. And something- Like, as a suspect, do you think? Or, like, for just, like, let's fill in some cracks? I think they wanted to fill in more cracks about maybe if she had any other ideas. She did offer up that she thought it could be a robbery, and- Who else is going to know them better than the mom? Right. Yeah. I mean, usually these kind of things, like, it's not just, like, an absolute stranger. So maybe she knows something more than she thinks she knows. Exactly. After questioning her a second time, she has something really, (laughs) really interesting to say. Oh, God. Cynthia. She says she has to confess something that she's been hiding from the police. She says that it wasn't a robbery at all. She says in the Forensic Files episode that I watched that she was getting ready to leave for the shopping adventure with her daughter, got their coats, told her daughter Erin to go wait in the car. And when she was leaving to tell, she went to go tell Dan goodbye. That's when she saw his dead body. So before the shopping excursion. Before the shopping, before she left, she went to go see Dan and say bye. And she saw that he had died and that he had committed suicide. 
What makes her think that it was a suicide? Well, Cynthia says she found the gun he used in a suicide note. Okay. So here's what I'm thinking. And, like, tell me if I'm off base or, you know, whatever. But at this point, I'm like, can you put yourself in Cynthia's shoes? And it's, like, New Year's, whatever. It's, like, you're going shopping with your daughter. And... You find your husband dead in his bed with a suicide note and a gun to his head. And you don't call the police then. You just act like nothing happened. Act like you didn't find anything and you go shopping. But then, beyond that, then you get home and suddenly you're inconsolable and you are screaming on the 911 call and you have, like, there's no way to control you. But, like, somehow you were so controlled during shopping all day. I just, like, it doesn't add up for me. No, it doesn't at all. And all this, the officers, the police officers and investigators are thinking the same thing. Very sus behavior. Yeah. Because, like, you can almost understand it from a standpoint of, okay, like, it was a fight or flight response almost. Yeah. But to have that such an immediate reaction when seeing the body. And you guys could really um, YouTube the 911 call. It is very intense. Okay. Um. Yeah, it is. Well, where's all very the suicide tricky. note? Did the police officers well, not find it on the scene? We'll get to that. We'll okay. get to that later in the episode. But just keep that in mind. Things are starting, like you said, to be sus for police. Definitely. Cynthia says that Dan had recently undergone surgery for prostate cancer, which left him ip- impotent. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Omnipotent. Well, but also, like, so he would commit suicide. I mean, I guess that that means a lot to people, but, like... And it's a very big leap. That's why she's claiming he would have? Yes. Okay. She said that she found the suicide note, as I said, destroyed it, and in it, he... Okay. Yes. Cynthia. C- oh, Cynthia's all over the place. And in the suicide note... Dan wrote, I'm devastated over my prostate cancer. And because he did commit suicide, he wants her to make it look like it was murder or else the insurance money would not go to her. Okay. So, um, this note she destroyed, um, so conveniently. Yeah. So then she can later claim it said whatever the fuck she wants it to have said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But- It does make sense because for their insurance, or I guess a policy that they had in there, it wouldn't pay them the money if it was a suicide, Mm -hmm. which is what Dan supposedly wrote in the letter anyway. I mean, to me, he sounds like a concerned father who just wanted to make sure his kids were all right after he was gone. I mean, he even makes sure to include, like, this is for our kids, like, and she understands that. I mean, they had that policy in there and had this money saved up. For their kids when they went to college. Mm-hmm. Well, so what scared her out of, like, going along with it being a murder? You know what I mean? Like, if if that's what she was doing initially, why did she suddenly, like, just when the police started asking her questions, she was like, oh, no, no never mind. I, I'm not lying. Actually, this is the truth. It, it was a suicide. Well, Cynthia... Just, still, I'm not, like, convinced by her. Yeah, of course. And Cynthia says in the interview that in that moment, she didn't want her kids to find out the truth. So she went along with it. And that was the only reason that they had taken out this policy to begin with. I mean, it's for the kids. Okay. But I mean, at the same time, she didn't want her kids to find out the truth. So she would rather them think that their dad was murdered. Like, it's very bizarre. And very skewed thinking, too. Like, one is 
Which I, I understand. Like, if she didn't see it coming that he was going to commit suicide, like, then yes, I could understand her acting very irrationally right now. Because, like, she's trying to cover tracks. She's trying to, like, do whatever she can to keep her family together. But I'm just, like, wondering where the disconnect was. Like, where she decided that it was no longer going to be something she was playing along with. Like, saying it's a murder. And when she just wanted to say, like, oh, actually, there was a suicide note, but I, del- like, got rid of it. <laughs> And honestly, investigators are wondering the same exact thing. I mean, just for context, this wasn't a little bit of money by any means. Back then, it was $300,000, and now it's half a million dollars. Like, Yeah, that's definitely something that'll make you sit, sit pretty comfy. Exactly. And Cynthia says that after deciding to, okay, I'm going to go through with this, I'm going to make this look like a murder... She wiped the prints from the gun, hid evidence, and like we said, went on the trip with her daughter like nothing happened. And after, she just threw the gun into a nearby field. Okay. So, I don't know. Like, at the end of this, you might be like, it wasn't her. But right now, I'm pretty, like, set on the (laughs) fact that it was Cynthia, right? Like, Cynthia killed her husband, and she's like, no, 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 you guys. He committed suicide, and then he told me to say it was murder. So that if you see anything that points at a murder, I can say, I tried to point it there. But mm-hmm. if you see anything that points at a suicide, that's what it was. I mean, honestly... Like, this is the most convenient lie ever, right? Or ever. the most convenient truth, but, like, that usually never happens. Exactly. Never. At this point, police are looking a lot towards Cynthia, and I can imagine they really want to vet this crazy story that she just so conveniently came up with. It's the most, like, unhinged, <laughs> like... It's us drinking wine and recording a podcast. Just it's so unhinged. so unhinged. It's literally the Beaumont Children episode. Exactly. Or which episode was oh I God. unhinged on? <laughs> was it that one? No, no, wait, no, it was the one we recorded before that. Yeah, I was absolutely wrong. got that off your rocker. Really sorry if you listened to that one. I was really wasted. <laughs> <laughs> but we did it. But we did it. Anyway, this is just as unhinged. (laughs) No, literally. (laughs) They go to the field where she said she threw the gun Mm -hmm. and they didn't find anything. And I mean, they went out there. They had metal detectors and search dogs, but nothing came up. Okay, so like, where is it? Exactly. There's a third party. They, wait. (laughs) No, so far that's all Cynthia is really saying to investigators. And so all they can really do is wait for other evidence they collected at the scene to come back. Dr. David Smart, the ME and and forensic pathologist they called, examined the body and discovered that the bullet was still inside his skull. So it was an entry wound. Okay. Just for context, I mean, this is obvious, but I just got really into it when I was um, researching this case, that you can tell a lot from the characteristics of a gunshot wound, just the shape, the tissue around it, and just... Like, basing it off of, like, whether it was an entry wound or, or like an, an exit, exit wound. wound. Exactly. Okay. So how is that helpful in this case? Well, based on the characteristics of the wound, Dr. Smart says that it is very well possible that someone could have inflicted the wound, a.k.a. not a suicide, a.k.a. a.k.a. <laughs> someone shot Dan. Yeah. Okay. Especially That's... because the wound was in the back of the head. I mean, can you think about even reaching behind your back right now? That tires me. Why would someone take their hand? So, and we're just saying that there was just one wound, the entry wound, and the bullet was still inside his head? Correct. Okay. So, I don't know anything about this. Um, So, if you know, just, like, tell me. Or if you don't know, 
then sorry guys, we're all gonna be confused. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Would Doctor Smart be able to like see his positioning? Is that why? Like, yes. So maybe he was in like a position that he wouldn't stand in if he was committing suicide, but like he would stand in if he was being caught off guard or something like that. Like yes, something we get along it. those lines. Yes, we get in a lot to the way the bullet entered the skull in regards to the angle and everything later on in this case, and it reveals a lot. It so was Cynthia, just, right? I mean, honestly, it could be anyone at this point. Yeah. You know, like, anyone had access to that house that was in the immediate family, so... Even, like, like we initially maybe thought, like, it could be, I guess, a stranger, but, like... Someone who thought it through enough to leave the suicide exactly. note to trick Cynthia. Even though that girl's got blood on her hands, I know it. Like. <laughs> no, but it honestly could be also just someone who's really an expert in this kind of thing. And just wow, did Dr. It. Smart really just dropped a bomb. He was like, you guys, I don't know who it was, but someone else could have done this. Mm-hmm. He's like, or they couldn't have, but... It's open. He's only speaking in riddles yeah. at this point. <laughs> Everyone's like, Dr. Smart, what does this mean? <laughs> I hate it. I love it. In the midst of all this, Cynthia lawyers up. Which at first oh, I was like, okay. okay. I would have done the same thing. Oh, 100%. At first my gut reaction was, okay, you are... Guilty. It was guilty. But honestly... A, it ends up working out for her, which we'll get back to. And B, we always know in these investigations, they look immediately at the spouse. Well, and also, like, you never know, like, when the police are going to find, like, enough evidence against you that, like, it's just convenient to say it was you and then call it a day. I would lawyer up immediately. Me too. I would have, I don't know why Cynthia answered their questions to begin with. I'd be like, listen, guys, my husband was murdered or he committed suicide. Either way, I don't care. Give me the money and I have a lawyer now. Exactly. (laughs) Just back to back to back. Like, and by the way, way, I'm hungry. I have a family to raise. Do right. you guys want to give me a soda? I'm going to use my own straw so you can't use my DNA. <laughs> Takes it with her. Yeah. Fully. But Nowadays, are you like bring metal straws? Like, oh my God. You know, and, like, this is my extent of like police interviews. It's like SVU. But like, you know, in SVU when they're like, oh, do you want to like give us um, your like DNA? Like a sample of your DNA. Yeah. And they're like, no. And they're like, oh, cool, cool. Do you want a Coke? Yeah. And they're like, like, I... And then the person's like, yeah, I'm actually parched. And so then they bring in a Coke, and then they're like, oh, let me grab that for you once the person's done. And Mm -hmm. they, like, bring it to the lab instead of the garbage. (laughs) Like, oh, sneaky. (laughs) So sneaky, and I love it so much. But, like, do you think that, like, the Save the Turtles movement has... (laughs) (laughs) I can't stand you. Like... Yeah, all these people that are in the, like, interview no, room are like, yeah, yeah, thanks, I'll get a Coke, but, like, here, I'm gonna use my <laughs> Like, the straw's disintegrating by the time they get it back to lab. They're like, oh, 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 I was thinking yeah. metal, but honestly, the paper straw argument is there, too. It's like, it's just, <laughs> they're gonna have to, like, create, like, a new forensic technology that, like, analyzes, like, oh my soppy God, paper. Right? Just, like, reconstruct it. <laughs> None of this is an issue because if you committed murder, you're not worried about the turtles. Oh, at all. <laughs> or maybe you are. Maybe I'm a Maybe you are, and maybe we should give you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Where were we? Okay, like I said, this honestly ends up working out for her because after they get the results back, the police look to Cynthia as being a person of interest. I am so surprised. With- <laughs> right? Right. Come on. The lawyer and Cynthia both 
say to police that maybe Dan had something to do with his own death. I don't know if they were insinuating that he hired a hitman or someone else he knows might have done it, but they go on to say that no one else would have- Wait, that Dan himself hired a hitman on himself? That's what I thought when I originally heard that. Like... They're- Because they were speaking very coy, like not being specific at all. And they were like, who would have known better than Dan himself? And I'm like, oh, what? what is this? <laughs> yeah. What is this? Well, I guess if the argument is that, like, he committed suicide so his wife could get the payoff to, to like, help his kids live a good life, then, like, maybe the argument is that he, like, couldn't do it because he's such a softie mm. and he needed someone else to do it. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the narrative they're going with. Yeah. I don't know. We're grasping at metal straws here. Literally. <laughs> We're both grasping at paper straws. <laughs> but... They go on to say that no one else would have better knowledge about how to essentially make a suicide look like a murder than a retired cop. He has the experience. He has the knowledge. Or a retired cop's wife. Because I'll tell you what. (laughs) Okay. If anyone could teach my class, it's Matt. You know what I mean? Your spouse is the person that you tell everything about your job to. I mean, that's true. So, like, you know, like, Laychell knows everything about your job, does he not? Oh, my God. It's constantly being You come home and you're like, listen to what happened. (laughs) You know? So, I'm just like, I don't, yeah, maybe, maybe he would know. But also, maybe his most valuable, significant other would know. And even further, a Google search. You know? So true. Hey, you've ever watched SVU? Yeah. You've ever watched any Law & Order? You've ever watched any <laughs> cop show ever? You're detective. Certified. Certified. Absolutely. They start to look further into Cynthia and just their family life, too, to get a better idea of who could have motive if it's not Cynthia. Mm-hmm. And they find out Cynthia was a murder mystery writer. Pause. Oh my god, not me becoming a suspect because I like that. <laughs> you know Literally. I mean? Like I, I don't wanna I don't wanna dig Cynthia's grave because of that. Oh, oh, you were writing her hate fan club this Absolutely, whole before I knew that she was writing the books that I literally read every day. <laughs> now I'm her biggest fan. Okay. And whether she did it or not, it was for inspiration. <laughs> It's a now it's a it's a Cynthia stand stand. Yeah, podcast. she's like the best way to create a story is to live it. Oh my god! And the, Honestly, a good lifetime movie. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> With the investigation, it comes out that during a neighbor's party, Cynthia said, "You could commit a murder, and the police were not smart enough in Northern Michigan to catch you." And mm. police are like, "Yeah, bet, bet, game on, game on, it's fine." And it spurs this whole new investigation into everything Cynthia had told them so far, which is basically their whole investigation except for the crime scene. You know, they're going off these two things. And it's here that our bad forensic experts come into the picture. Yes. So remember that David Smart guy and we were talking about the wound entering the head from different angles and all that good stuff. Absolutely. X-ray shows that the bullet was going in the skull back to front. Okay. And it came from the left side and landed on the right side. Okay. And he is not left-handed. Exactly. He's right-handed. Okay. You couldn't have done it. So. (laughs) (laughs) Although I'll tell you what, if I'm trying to frame anyone for my murder, I'm going to use my less dominant hand to kill myself. Oh, best believe it's going to be the wobbliest gunshot you've ever did see. (laughs) 
For real. They're like, you know what actually happened here is that a girl used her left hand when it wasn't dominant. Mm-hmm. And she was trying to fool us all. Mm-hmm. That's my forensic episode. I'm going to go and grow that. <laughs> I'm going to go and grow that. It's fine. Really? After that, they start looking into the blood spatter. Specifically, any back spatter that was at the scene of the crime. But there wasn't any. There was just a pool of blood next to Dan's body. Okay, like suggesting that the scene had been cleaned up or that there had been like something there that was removed. Suggesting that no one could have possibly shot him at that close of a range and not had blood come back and land on the the area surrounding it. You know what I mean? So wait, do we have like a, a general time of death? No. Interesting. And I couldn't find anything about it either. That's that's what my biggest question is, is that, like, if Cynthia was aware that he was dead since before that they went shopping, like, do you think that they could somehow have known that? I think so. Or, like, is her saying that she was aware he was dead before they went shopping, like, kind of her, like, creating an alibi, being like, well, it wasn't me, because it happened before I found him, but I did find him then, so he was dead then, for sure. I think it could definitely be viewed as that, but I'm, I'm not sure, still. Okay. When they look further into the way Dan's body was positioned, we find out that his left arm was clutching a pillow, and it was all tucked underneath his body. So he couldn't have shot himself. Wait, so like, they're just now noticing this now? They didn't take these notes before initially at the no scene. they were like yeah we can't find anything here no in the episode like i said the forensic files episode it had a bunch of great information because i couldn't really find research anywhere else right. they said that it was happened later that they noticed that if he was going to use his right hand to shoot on the left side which is already crazy right that the hand would have dropped as soon as he shot and been behind or landed on top of his head essentially mm-hmm. when he fell down onto the bed Okay. The police go back and they find gunpowder and a bullet hole in the pillow next to his body. And from this, they assume that the gun was pressed against the pillow to fire to, I guess, muffle the sound almost. Oh, and that's probably why it never exited his head. Exactly. And so they officially rule it as a homicide. Wow. With this being official they're like yeah someone went in there and killed dan they look into the family and they discover they had been having a lot of financial troubles okay which is never good right yeah cynthia was buying a lot of new things for the house that was really racking up the bills and it ended up that they were spending more than what they were actually earning okay which was a big red flag for investigators sure They discover that Dan handled a trust fund for a mentally handicapped relative. With a trust, you can appoint people to have control over it and have certain amendments to it and be really precise with who's going to get your money when you die or just in general. So it's very interesting that in this case, it doesn't seem like Dan's relative did that because the year before Dan dies, over $50,000 was stolen from the account. Oh my god. Officers find out that the bank was actually hunting down the family to see why and how the account was being drained every single day. (gasps) Day, like slowly by slowly, the money in it was dwindling. Oh my god. And they didn't know what to do, but 
the bank where the trust was held had cameras. Roll them back. So when they looked to see who was taking out the money. Cynthia with a mustache and a hat. Cynthia with a trench coat and she was on top of a dog. (laughs) Cynthia, I just can't believe you. It was Cynthia. And so they're like, okay, case done. Closed doors. But they obviously have to verify this. Because that is motive, although there's not really a lot of physical evidence. Mm-hmm. They interview Aaron, Cynthia's daughter, and Aaron remembers that morning when they went on the shopping spree that she was showering and her mother was checking in on her a lot, like constantly, so much so that it was weird to her and she remembered that it was weird. Like, mm-hmm. what is she doing? Cynthia also turned up the radio and Aaron remembers she heard a loud bang that she initially thought was a car backfiring. How old is Erin? I know she's a teenager. Because why was she not interviewed initially? Mm -hmm. And why is it that she wasn't... I mean, I don't know her level of intelligence. Also, also, she's just in shock because her father is dead. But why did she not think, like, oh, that car that I thought backfired. Like, that's actually probably what killed my dad like why was she not interviewed about that sooner i know it she gets, must be a minor right like yeah there, there i'm it's safe like, to assume that she is a minor and either that or her mom was just very admin and controlling around mm-hmm. her at that time which i can see being easier if she is yeah. a minor and also i can see the influence over that even if she's not you know right. looking into the home further investigators find forensic textbooks that Cynthia was reading and she was using it for a book she was writing. Okay. Like specific books on gunshot wounds and premeditated murder. Okay. But she is a mystery novelist. Correct. Which they could easily call away. Yeah. Or that's you could like be not going to hold up that much. I exactly. Don't think. But let's continue. The police's theory is that she used the book and her knowledge to plan out this crime. The motive was all money. And after finding all this out from the bank, Dan confronted her and she just could not take it. She took the gun, used the pillow to muffle the sound, and killed her husband that morning. This is so basic instinct. I know. Have you seen that movie? No. Oh, it's like this like <laughs> author that like literally is writing all the stuff that's happening in her life. Like people are dying and she's writing yeah. it into the, mo- the book that she's writing. And she's like, no, like, I'm just like, I write this stuff. And she's the one committing all these crimes? Well, I'm not going to spoil it. Oh, my God. All right. You're nicer to our listeners than I am. I'm like, tell me, though. Tell me, though. Tell me after. I'll tell you after. Cynthia is charged with first degree murder. Although she claims she's not guilty, um, it doesn't really hold up. I mean, she does call on forensic pathologist Dr. L.J. Dracovic. Okay. Who says suicide is possible, but our guy David Smart says that although they did not test Dan's hand for any gunshot residue that could have maybe indicated that he held the gun and committed suicide, Mm -hmm. that it wouldn't have made a difference because you can have gunshot residue on your hands even if you're in close proximity to someone firing a gun. Right. And that it also just wasn't routine for them to do. I get that it's not routine, but like here we are. And don't you wish you had it? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. Not you Sometimes being the judge. Like... But here we are. <laughs> don't you wish you had it, though? <laughs> Sometimes break your routine, honey. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to put someone away. Oh, my God. Right. For life. 
Yeah. Ultimately, Cynthia is charged. And oh, yeah. she is guilty as the day is long. By all life. And she still claims her innocence. Okay, sure. It was sure, really... Cynthia. Yeah. <laughs> It was really sad, though, because at trial, it plays this clip of Aaron, and she's saying that she doesn't understand how this could happen and that her father was a really good man. And she even says that she's talking to the jury and she says, I ask that you give the maximum. (gasps) About her mother. About her mother. I cannot. Heartbreaking, really. Yeah. I mean, a lot of... The jury and a lot of investigators speculate what was the driving force. Like, was Cynthia just cocky? Did she think she could get away with it? Was it really financial troubles that pushed her this far? Mm-hmm. Which is, like, kind of where it stands. I mean, Cynthia is guilty from all the evidence and right. stuff. Not a doubt in my mind. Dan's brother, Kevin McDonald, was in the episode and he says, I was devastated. I couldn't believe that this good man that hurt nobody was not living anymore. And he was very adamant throughout all this that Dan did not commit suicide. I mean, he says that Dan had plans in the future to buy a boat, a new truck, which is often, as we know, an indicator of someone who is not suicidal. I mean, I also know it can't be... people who are making plans. Exactly. It's not usual. Yes, definitely not usual. And I know that it can't be fully ruled out. I know people still can obviously commit suicide with future plans, but... It seemed like his brother, Kevin, had a lot of knowledge and insight about just where his head was at at that time. Yeah. In the aftermath of all this, though, (laughs) a former prosecutor called Clarence Gomery had this amazing quote to finish off the episode. And he says, Cynthia McDonald bragged she could write the book on the perfect murder. Well, she should have read the final chapter where there are no perfect murders. (gasps) And then in 2015, he is released from prison, like, for a murder for hire case. So he wrote the sequel. He wrote the sequel. (laughs) Literally. I can't. Thanks for listening. You can follow us at The Chalkline Pod on Instagram. Twitter at The Chalkline Pod. And follow along with our YouTube channel. The link is in our Instagram bio. Tune in next Thursday for another story. (laughs) 